This week on Rotten and Righteous, Mash and Sackcloth, we ask the important question. Hey, are you are you still wanting to play, uh, what's, what was that you wanted the people to do with your head? Yeah, play I, Keep It Up or yeah, something? I, just, I, I do. I just want to be cremated from the neck down. Oh, wait, and, and I don't even think it's going to be keep it up anymore. All I want is Kelsey to turn around, close her eyes, and toss my head over her back like she's tossing the bouquet. And uh, whoever catches my head is going to be the next to die. It's going to be some here. Welcome back to Rotten or Righteous, Mash and Sackcloth Edition, the podcast that, like Trapper MD, spun off of something better than itself and will last much longer than anyone wants it to. And if you understand that joke, you are either way out of our target demographic age range or a co-host on this show. (laughs) One or the other. With me as always, we have Scott Crowbeak Judge. (laughs) <laughs> I was hoping you would call me Hot Lips No There's going to be a lot of episodes, Scott There's going to be a lot of times to to call you different things And me Well, I'm just sorry we're doing this I'm Zach Geiler Luke is away this week picking up used bandages and soggy tongue depressors from the front, so Scott and I are the only ones here to bring you into this new and regrettable chapter of the show. If you're listening to us on iTunes, please pause the episode right now and give us five stars, because as the good Lord knows, you aren't going to want to give us five stars at the end of the show. (laughs) It's, It's our only chance. As you may have gleaned by now by the context clues, we are about to begin reviewing the television show titled MASH. This war dramedy ran on CBS from 1972 to 1983 and follows the daily lives of doctors and nurses of the 4077 Mobile Army Surgical Hospital stationed in Weejongbu, South Korea, during the true war of northern aggression, the Korean War. <laughs> uh, north, south, east, or west, they were the match that was the best. For those who may not know, that joke was a play on the fact that many people in the deep south USA refer to the American Civil War as the war of northern aggression. So now you can say you learned something the last time you listened to our podcast. Over its 11 years, MASH aired 256 episodes, which means if we review two episodes a week, we should be able to review every episode in just about two months after Scott dies. <laughs> I think I'm going to go a lot sooner than that, actually. <laughs> it's... Oh, my. The first season... That's of... almost three years. Yeah, this is basically just... A hunger strike until Luke comes back. Yes. The first season of MASH mainly follows five main characters. Our protagonists are cancel culture's worst nightmares. Uh, uh, Alcoholic, womanizing, but talented doctors. Captain Benjamin Franklin Hawkeye Pierce and Captain Trapper John McIntyre. Hawkeye and Trapper 
are nothing but a thorn in the flesh to our pair of antagonists, Major Margaret Hotlips Houlihan and Major Frank Ferretface Burns, who, when <laughs> not engaged in passionate lovemaking, attempt to get our two protagonists court-martialed for their many, many crimes. In between the four foes is the man who's just trying to keep the peace, Lieutenant Colonel Henry Blake, along with his slightly psychic secretary, the diminutive Corporal Walter Radar O'Reilly. I... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know right now. Scott, because I'll be honest with you, I love MASH. MASH has made me laugh in the past. I've watched it a lot. I've never really paid that much attention to MASH, and when you do pay attention to MASH, things jump out to you that make you feel kind of bad. <laughs> make you feel a little creepy. Well, we I, I assume at some point in time we'll probably talk about it. The show got a lot uh, a lot deeper and more involved as it went on. I mean, there was a lot of really fun episodes early in the you know the first few seasons, and then uh, it was a struggle toward the end. But as I asked the question, I always loved Pierce. He was probably so my favorite. So what you just uh, described about this show, <laughs> this is going to get people coming mm-hmm. back every week, is you just described it as like a sandwich, a steak sandwich placed on moldy bread. Uh, it's, it's kinda, uh, in the end, yeah. It's kind of yeah. bad at the beginning, and it's real bad at the end, but there in the middle, there's some good meat. No, no, it's good. It's good at the beginning. Hey, we need to we need to tease it a little bit. Of course, it's going to be two and a half years before we get to the part that's kind of uh, kind of deeper. Yeah, <laughs> we got a while. We'll get there. But I do want to thank mash.fandom.com uh, for all of the work someone put into to writing the summaries for all 200 some odd episodes because I'm not going to have to write anything for the next three That's years. Awesome. 256. Shh. 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 Oh, I was wrong. It's almost five years. No, there's not. There's no way it's almost five years. I can't do this for almost five years. I quit. Oh, we're going to do two episodes a week, though. Yeah, you dumb dummy. (laughs) Divided by two, so it's 128 weeks divided by four. It's just over two years. Yeah. We got this. Okay. Like I said, thank you to MASH Fandom for what I'm going to plagiarize. It is Korea, 1950. A hundred years ago, says the on-screen text, and the personnel of the 4077th Mobile Army Surgical Hospital are just milling around. And for those of you who haven't put two and two together, the reason why the show is called MASH is because it's an acronym for Mobile Army Surgical Hospital. Now, these these the 4077 is just, you know, keeping themselves busy between sessions and the OR. Captains Trapper John McIntyre and Benjamin Franklin Hawkeye Pierce are playing some golf. Really, they're just kind of hitting golf balls into a minefield. And when Blunt One blows up, of course, Trapper has to shout, Scott. (laughs) Four! Right. Majors Frank Burns and Margaret Hotlips Houlihan are in her tent. They're just reading and playing some footsie under the table. It's real gross. Ugh, it was very gross. And, uh, I mean, it was the most 
lewd footsie I've ever seen in my life. Like, it was almost, like, like late-night HBO footsie. I didn't know there was such a thing. But it was... It was their something. Feet were making, their feet were making love. No, they... Uh, no, we're not saying that. <laughs> we're not saying that. As we, as we move on to radar, catching a football. Uh, yeah, Lieutenant Colonel Henry Blake and the company's CO is just drinking champagne for some reason with a nurse. And I really didn't want to say this name so very early on, Scott. Cap Chucker Jones. <laughs> Poor Chucker. Now, you don't you say it, because with your West Virginian accent, it sounds real bad. Don't, don't you just you just call him Mr. Jones, the the one African American on the show, Jones, and uh, Corporal Walter Eugene Radar O'Reilly are playing catch with a football. When Radar stops and says, "Here they come," and everybody looked back at him, it's like, "What are you talking about, Radar? Who are they? They can refer to so many different things. We're in Korea." Are you talking about, like, the Northern Korean Army? The Russians coming? Who were they? And then he's like, oh, wait, no, I meant to say that. Here come the here come the helicopters. And then the opening credits play over the scenes of the staff rushing to the chopper pad and tending to the wounded. And this is basically... Do, 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 do. Sorry. Yes. Um, yeah. The only thing I can think of whenever I watch the opening to MASH is, first of all, that is the most catchy song about suicide I've ever heard in my life. It is that. For those of you who don't know, the lyrics to the MASH theme song are... play the music it's well known i'm actually want that played at my funeral just to really confuse people (laughs) hey are you are you still wanting to play uh what's what was that you wanted the people to do with your head yeah play keep it up or something i just i I do i just want to be cremated from the neck down Wait, and, and I don't even think it's going to be keep it up anymore. All I want is Kelsey to turn around, close her eyes, and toss my head over her back like she's tossing the bouquet. And uh, whoever catches my head is going to be the next to die. It's going to be something here. Hey, how many how many episodes are in? Uh, six. Six, yeah. Well, you know, it wasn't many. Can we just seriously just call him Mr. Jones? I do not like the fact that you were referring to him as 
I don't like saying that. Why? It is so bad, Scott. What it's is, so there, bad. is it really? What What does it mean? It alludes. I'm going to look it up. Now, are you going to get me fired from my job? Yeah, go ahead and look it up, Scott. I, I, I want you to become woke with us. Oh! Oh! What did you find? Yes, Mr. Jones. What did you Mr. find, Jones Scott? Did not, what did you find? An Afri- it's an African slur, and I want to apologize for my ignorance and for mentioning that even at all. That's I, horrible. I, I just wanted to say it once to say that the show's messed up. And then move on. Man, I learned something tonight. I had no clue. So anyways, Chopper's coming in. It's all good. Now, this I'm glad doesn't stay the framing device throughout the, the series. For some reason, in the the earlier episodes, it's like his Hawkeye's writing home to his dad, telling him all about all the fun, fun times at Korean War Camp that he's having with all his friends. And uh, during surgery... Hawkeye does what he does best, and that is make a young woman feel uncomfortable because she's trapped beside him and can't get away because she's his nurse helping him with surgery. Nurse Ginger Bayless. You know, Hawkeye, that that was probably one of the best things he did on MASH was to make the nurses feel uncomfortable, particularly particularly in the operating room because you're right. There was nowhere they could go. They couldn't escape because they had to stay there. Right, and so that is uh, a definition sexual harassment one thing I, I i couldn't i couldn't find my notebook but one thing i did while watching this was write down all the crimes committed by uh by trapper and by hawkeye and there's more than a couple the list was many and so he's flirting with with nurse ginger bayless what's what's her what's the name they give her oh lieutenant dish yeah of course they do Yeah, so we got Ginger Bayless, Nurse Ginger Bayless, and she gets an argument with Frank because Frank's a turd. He is a turd. I don't like Frank. I can't wait till Frank goes away. Spoiler alert, Frank goes away. I can't (laughs) wait till that happens because the replacement for Frank is my favorite. I love him so He's probably my favorite character in the entire show. Yeah. Oh, cool. What's that guy's name? Winchester. Yeah, that's right. Charles Emerson Winchester. He just plays a, a New England waspy... Just mm-hmm. guy you want to punch in the face so, so well. And so, uh, yeah, but that's neither here nor there. So Frank Burns and Nurse Ginger get into a fight. Pierce stands up for him because he's he's a womanizer, but he's a nice guy, too. He cares. He's got a big heart. You know, these these violent mood swings are often common in those who are constantly drunk on their homemade gin. <laughs> One one uh, one storyline they didn't play that I wish they did was how Hawkeye started to go blind from drinking nothing but corn mash whiskey from sunup to sundown. The homemade hooch. How about um, let's go back to uh, Burns too. The line when they're in the ER, he starts yelling. He starts yelling at the nurse and he says, "Give me what I need, not what I ask for." And he thought, "You idiot." No, Scott, I know for a fact that you've said something similar to your wife, because I've said something similar to my wife. When she hands me something that I ask for, but it's not what I wanted, but it's what I said, and then it's her fault for not being able to read my mind and hand me the thing that I wanted and not the thing that I said. You're on your own, big guy. So, is Burns your least favorite character? 
No, Hot Lips is. I cannot stand Hot Lips. Really? I cannot stand her. Uh, she is constantly cheating on her fiancés or boyfriends or husbands or whatever. She's just she's just a bad person, and I do not like her. Okay. Yeah, I could... I, there are shows I could find some redeeming qualities with her, but I think overall, uh, I mean, she's not like... She's not like... You know, Hawkeye Pierce, who's single, but constantly flirts with Lieutenant Dish, who makes it very clear to him that she is trying to remain faithful for her fiancé back home. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he does what every guy does in those situations, and he hides in her sleeping bag to pop out <laughs> when she goes to bed. Or he walks Every into, guy? Or he walks into her when she's taking a shower and hands her a towel. He's just being helpful. He's, yes, he's again. He he's a compassionate man looking out for the best of others. Isn't it funny how we're painting these people right now? They're not good people, Scott. They're not. They're not good people. They're not heroes. Even even Hawkeye, you can't find any redeeming qualities. With of course, Hawkeye. I can find redeeming qualities with him if I wanted to give in to the reality of uh, situational ethics, which I don't believe in. Everything Hawkeye does is wrong, but he's doing it for good reasons. Not everything he's doing for good reasons. After the OR thing, when we're introduced to, to Hawkeye and, and Lieutenant Dish's uh, uh, repertoire back and forth. Now, keep I, I do also want to say that for a woman who has a fiancé, she is not trying that hard <laughs> to stop Hawkeye from... Hugging uh-huh. her and kissing on her and handing her naked towels. I mean, she's not doing that much to stop him. I mean, you would think you would think that she wouldn't want him around her at all. I mean, just get away. Don't touch me. Don't nibble my ears. I mean, Don't caress my hands. We're introduced to Hawkeye and Lieutenant Dish. These are the two main players in this here episode. Uh, later in their bunk, uh, where... Pierce and McIntyre and Frank and and Mr. Jones all sleep. Um, they call it the swamp. So if you hear us talking about the swamp, that's their their bunk. Uh, later on in the swamp, we're introduced to the third main character of this particular episode, a uh, a Korean boy with the totally not stereotypical name of Ho John. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. It turns out that uh, Hojon got accepted into Pierce's medical school. And if he can come up with $2,000, they can go back to the States and, and basically he can go to, to become a doctor and not become, I don't know, a stir-fry salesman? A housekeeper? I don't think... Who knows? There's not so many. There's not a lot of stereotypical Korean jobs. A walk maker. Oh, you know all the Koreans are just laying all our sidewalks. They're gonna be a sidewalk layer. <laughs> <laughs> I've always said, if there's one thing the Koreans are named for, it's laying sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what Koreans do. They pour cement. Everyone knows that. Go ahead. How in the world do you think 
they're going to raise this money for Hojon because they don't have $2,000. It's $1,950. $2,000 might as well be a million dollars. Oh, they're just going to sell a weekend in Tokyo with Lieutenant Dish. Just going to get a pass for Lieutenant Dish, a pass for whoever wins a raffle. And the kicker is they don't tell Lieutenant Dish that she's going to be uh, doing this. Well, I mean, that might ruin the whole thing. I mean, if word about that got out, I mean, she might be like, no, I'm not. Now, keep in mind, keep dead, hush, hush. word about this does immediately get out because they have to go to uh, to Blake, uh, the, the, the lieutenant colonel, mm-hmm. and get him to sign off on some day passes. They throw a big party, and uh, they raise $1,800, and everyone is kind of thinking that that Hawkeye's going to fix it so that he and uh, uh, Lieutenant Dish are going to go to Tokyo together. Even Lieutenant Dish is kind of excited. She forgot she had a fiancé because Alan Alda's standing there. You know how everybody says Alan Alda's the, the, the just so beautiful. That's what they called him. So beautiful the Alda. Catch me, Al. The big cheese. Yeah, they called him the Cat's Meow, Linalda. <laughs> but, uh, but Hawkeye actually rigs the, the raffle so that uh, the person that goes with Lieutenant Dish to Tokyo is none other than the uh, 4077's local clergyman, uh, Father Mukahi. <laughs> who immediately started crossing himself and <laughs> that's right, that's the episode it ends right there oh shoot that's not true it ends after monkey he's like oh oh hail mary oh boy <laughs> Ooh, this is going to talk to that high voice this is going to be inappropriate <laughs> he, he was the he was the, the he modeled his character of a Mickey Mouse. Oh, I can't go to Tokyo with a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember the one the one general had came down because they they had uh, yeah I'm they bit, drugged. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I thought you said it ended. Go now, ahead. The, that was basically the ending. We're almost done, but then we're not. Yeah. Now you're like I said, Lieutenant or Lieutenant Corporal Blake goes away, and he says, "You're not allowed to have a party. You're not allowed to raffle off one of our women." Is raffling women wrong, Zach? They're not allowed to basically engage in third-hand prostitution. Uh, With a priest, I think that's biblical. And then, uh, and then he puts <laughs> he puts Frank Burns in charge. Now, how are they going to have this party when Frank Burns, who's such a stick in the mud and all a stickler for the rules and everything, how are they going to be able to do that? It's simple. They're just going to drug. They're going to drug Frank Burns. They are going oh. to give him several doses over the course of the six-hour party. Yeah, because it was every hour, That right? knocks him out. And then they wrap his head like a mummy so that no one could recognize him. Of course, <laughs> Hot Lips comes in on the scene, and she is about ready to, to stick him with that needle. She looks at his butt and goes, oh, I know this butt. This, oh, Frank! This is a Frank Burns butt, if I've ever seen one. So oh, she shit. rescues Frank, 
and calls one of the top brass. This this guy named uh, uh, Hammond down General to court Hammond. to yeah. court martial, rightly so. <laughs> Hawkeye <laughs> and Trapper John, who are now guilty of sexual harassment, uh, prostitution, <laughs> at least solicitation, and. <laughs> The inappropriate medical care. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, malpractice. Uh, <laughs> drugging an unwilling participant. And and fraud. The whole thing was fraud. It was a scam. Yeah. They, they, they had it all planned for, for to go to, to Father Mulcahy. So they bring down this, this General Hammond, and General Hammond's like, okay, I'm going to court-martial you two, but... Then they're like, you're going to have to wait because we got a whole bunch of Canadians coming in and they all got real bad tummy aches from eating too much maple syrup and we got to operate on them. And so they operate and Hammond's like, oh man, I'm so impressed with you two surgeons. Your best search I've ever seen. So forget about the fraud, the solicitation, <laughs> the prostitution, prostitution, the illegal drugging, the malpractice. The <laughs> Forget about all of that. You guys are going to stay here and be doctors. The end. Be- all because you're slick with a knife. It's so stupid. Uh, and so- then, then, then they had the line, we screwed up in reverse. Have you ever screwed up in reverse, Zach? Every, every day of my life. <laughs> every day of my life. Uh, the, the second episode of season one is called To Market to Market. Which is really weird because there's not a market in this whole show. They didn't have a pilot in no. the first one. They didn't have a market in the second one. Don't have a market. It's okay. The whole thing is false advertising. Basically, the 4077 has a problem in the second episode. Uh, their problem is, is that uh, they're running out of hydrocortisone. And they need some hydrocortisone. I don't know what hydrocortisone does. It sounds familiar. Uh, it's a steroid hormone produced by the adrenal cortex and used medic- or medicinally to treat inflammation resulting from eczema and rheumatism. So they had a big bunch of flaky soldiers in there just to have an eczema all over themselves. And they needed hydrocortisone uh, to take care of them. Hot Lips ordered all this hydrocortisone, but... It got stolen, and uh, it's being sold on the black market. Hawkeye and and Trapper, Hawkeye and Trapper, try to unload another empty truck, and they've just had enough of it. They're like, we got to find these black marketeers and shut them down because we have so many zits on so many GIs, <laughs> and we a, need that hydrocortisone now. It's a pimple palooza. It, it's a dang. It's a ding dang pust filled pustule party. Um, <laughs> there ain't nothing but acne everywhere. Oh man, it's like a Wiley e. Coyote cartoon. Just acne everywhere. Except Wiley e. Coyote had acne. It's okay, it'll work. Um Scott yawned. And I thought that his yawn was him coming to the realization that acne and acme were, like, right next to each other. Because <laughs> it looked like he were really surprised for a moment. Just like, you were what? just like, what? <laughs> I've been 
wrong all these years. <laughs> so, uh, so, anyways, they go in to tell Blake about the the most recent theft. And and when I walk in, man, Blake has this beautiful one hundred year old oak desk that he is just polishing with a gusto that we haven't seen since the last scene that Hot Lips and Frank have shared together. <laughs> but it but it wasn't toe touching. It was oak polishing. So they tell Blake about the theft, and they're like, "You need to do something," and then. Colonel Blake's like, what do you want me to do about it? Now, keep in mind, Colonel Blake is terrible these first two episodes. I promise you, he gets better. But mm-hmm. he's just hes just not good in these first two episodes. Uh, he's like, I don't know what to do about it. I'm too busy rubbing my desk. <laughs> Get careless. He's like, I got this desk. What, you guys are acting like this is a hospital or something. All right? you <laughs> Just start popping. Just start popping. You don't need the hydrocortisone. But uh, Hawkeye and Pierce suggest that they call General Hammond and demand some action. And he's like, "What are we? What, what's he gonna do? Right? I mean, it's not like we have an army with a bunch of soldiers and guns and stuff. What are we gonna do?" I think they forgot they were in the Korean War when they made this episode. They may have, because it feels like they're just camping. They're just doing playing doctor in a tent. They're just they're just hanging out. Yeah. Uh, but Blake's like, I'm not going to call Hammond. He was just down here. He just forgave you guys for a slew of felonies last episode. I cannot ask him to come down and get the hydrocortisone for all of our acne-riddled soldiers. But uh, right when he says he's not calling Hammond, wouldn't you know, Radar comes in and tells Blake that he's got a phone call from General Hammond. And uh, Blake takes the opportunity to ask for some more hydrocortisone. But Hammond's like, listen, man, I just had a terrible breakout myself. All right? I've got all the hydrocortisone that I need to handle my general complexion. See what I did there? Um, so I can't give you the hydrocortisone. And then Colonel Blake's like, don't tell me that we're going to have to try to use oxy pads. You know they don't work. It's just alcohol, and they sting so bad. Don't make us what use oxy pads. soap and water? What do you mean, soap and water? Basically, it comes down to this. Ham's like, I'm not giving you more hydrocortisone. I've already sent you two truckloads, all right? I've sent you enough to, to deal with the world's biggest pimple. You guys deal with it yourself. So, Radar finds the name of the black marketer. Again, a, a Korean man with the totally non-stereotypical name, Charlie Lee. <laughs> Who, by the way, had a good business going. He did, but his face... He had a his, great business, yeah. I wrote down in my notes that this guy's face looks like it's half-melted off. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, right down the, the vertical axis uh, or, yeah, of his face, the left side... No, it's the right side, so it wasn't even a stroke. I have no idea what's going on with this guy's face. It just looks like it just got a little too hot and slopped about a quarter of the way down from where it should be. Like, eyeball and everything, it, not just skin, like, everything. <laughs> Did he remind you a little bit of that guy in the Goonies? No, he reminded me a lot of the guy who played the Indian in the Green Mile, but... Ah. So, Pierce and McIntyre borrow a truck, a Jeep, to uh, 
go see this black market, this Charlie Lee in person. He's in Seoul. I almost called it Seoul, but that's not how you pronounce it. Seoul. It's Seoul. Uh, Now, right after they enter his building, they think about the Jeep and how they probably should have locked it up a little bit. So they turn around. It's already on blocks. Tire's gone. It's been stripped for parts. (laughs) I did laugh at that. Of course. It's hilarious. (laughs) So after they realize that maybe they should have been careful, more careful with, with uh, the Jeep, they go back in to talk to Charlie Lee and ask him about the hydrocortisone. And Charlie Lee says that he has a box of car- hydrocortisone and it cost $10,000. So in the last episode, you said $2,000 was like a million, so this would be like $5 million. I don't know. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm literally going to look up, look it up right now. It would be the equivalent of $116,658.92. Wow. So nice little chunk of change. $2,000 would be, uh, yeah, $23,331. Now, to, you know, that's about what I imagine a semester of medical school actually costs. So, I mean... It was cheaper in my day. Yeah, but inflation, bro. Inflation. inflation. Shh, go home, boomer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, Charlie Lee is like, I'll, I'll sell you this for $10,000. And Hawkeye and and, and... and I keep wanting to call him Honeycut, but it's not Honeycut. Hawkeye and Trapper are like, dude, no pimple is worth $10,000. And then Charlie Lee pulls out from under his desk a golden pimple. (laughs) He's like, do you remember when the Ark of the Covenant was stolen and they made golden mice and boils? Here's one of the boils. They do convince Charlie Lee uh, that they might have something that they could barter with, something they could trade, something that every black marketeer really needs in order to set him apart from the competition. And that's a 100-year-old oak desk that's been rubbed on uh, aggressively by a middle-aged man in a fishing hat. (laughs) It's one way to say it. (laughs) So, Charlie Lee's like, alright, I'll check this desk out. And he shows up at the 4077, dressed as a South Korean general. Lee is uh, really really taking a good look at this desk. All the while, Blake is just telling him all about it because he just thinks he's getting a visitor by a uh, higher up from, from you know, the South Korean army. He's like, oh, did you did you see the gold leaf inlay here? Oh, check out, check out the beveling. Look at all that beveling. Isn't that some nice beveling? Did you see the wooden pestle... Uh, joints there it's all nice and and charlie lee's like i like it i like it a lot he talks like a native american i don't know why mm-hmm. he he's the only he's the, I, I feel bad for every asian person on this show because they are told to talk with the most racist accent in the entire world mm-hmm. except for charlie lee which are like hey can you can you do your best Tonto impersonation, please? That's what we would like here. <laughs> oh, yes, I can do Tonto very well. 
I rode the buffalo across the white or across the, <laughs> I rode the buffalo across the rice paddies in order to get here. As you can tell, I am Korean. So Charlie Lee t- checks out this desk and he's like, "Yeah, I want this desk. I'll, I'll, I will trade you the hydrocortisone for this desk." And uh, before he leaves, of course, Charlie Lee asks, uh, "Yeah, his, his driver." Yeah, Charlie Lee's driver is out in the jeep with Burns watching over him with like a skeptical eye. And right before he leaves, he's like, "Hey, you want to buy a Rolex?" And he just pulls up his <laughs> pant leg. He's got forty-seven wristwatches on his on his calf, and. <laughs> Frank, ever, ever astute. Oh, there's something up with this feller. I can just tell. Uh, so basically, uh, Burns is on the... is, is suspicious. Uh, Charlie Lee agrees to the trade, but he says that the desk has to be ready at 0600. That's 6 o'clock for you non-military time people. 0600. <laughs> people sleep in. The next morning. Because if, it, if if that desk isn't on his truck, then the hydrocortisone is going to be sold to the highest bidder. And they're like, okay, great. It's going to be awesome. We'll have this desk out there. Don't worry, Charlie. Um, and as he leaves, Burns and Hot Lips, or Hot Lips Houlihan are talking. Burns is sure they're up to something. He just doesn't know what. Those wascally wabbits are at it again. And so, uh, next morning, at, at 0500, that's 5 a.m. for you non-military people, uh, Radar wakes Pierce and McIntyre up so that they can get Blake's desk out and ready for the driver. They sneak into Blake's office, and while they're working on trying to figure out how to move this giant, heavy, 100-year-old desk, wouldn't you know it, Burns followed him out of the swamp. And into there, and there he's shining his light in there. He doesn't know whether or not they're actually in uh, 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 Burns's office for sure, but he's looking around there, and they're hiding behind the desk. And then, and then Frank's like, "Well, this door shouldn't be unlocked. This 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 door to the office of our commanding officer that has windows in it, so I can look in. It shouldn't be unlocked. I'm gonna just lock it for him. So now they're locked in. Oh man." Now oh, they can't get the, the, the they can't get the ding dang desk out, Scott. Where there's a will, there's a way. If only they were in a canvas tent. <laughs> if only. <laughs> oh oh wait, no, that's exactly what they did. Or, or they're in, and so they just cut the entire wall of Blake's office <laughs> out, and then carry out the desk. So uh, the truck is there waiting for it. They're about to put it put it. Put the, put the desk onto the truck for Charlie Lee, but but Burns is out there questioning the driver because he recognizes him as the guy that tried to sell him a watch uh, the day before, and and man, it just turns into like fifteen minutes of desk antics. What what can you do with a desk? They're carrying around a heavy desk. They're almost caught. They run away. They come back. They're almost caught again. They run away. They cover it up, pretend it's an altar for early morning mass. <laughs> They're praying. They pray on it. Oh, shoot. So, the truck actually leaves, and they're like, great, what are we going to tell all these pimply-faced GIs? And that's when they have an idea. You know, it's really easy to get helicopters. Why don't we get a helicopter to, to 
we'll tie we'll tie the desk onto the bottom of the helicopter, and they could just fly it to Charlie Lee. That would be totally inconspicuous. <laughs> Nobody will notice a desk flying through the air. Now, granted, everyone notices a desk flying through the air, especially Blake, as he looks up and just is so very sad that his desk is flying through the air. <laughs> you know, they they he did a pretty good job of the dumbfounded look. I mean, he was just. I mean, he was stupefied. At this point, what else could you possibly do? Then Charlie Lee shows up with uh, 200 vials of hydrocortisone. And you know, everybody's happy. Hawkeye slaps his knee like an old-timey prospector. He goes... (laughs) (laughs) He goes, Yee-haw! We ain't got no pimples here tonight! (laughs) We're covered! And, uh, yeah, one of those old-timey Boston prospectors that you always hear about, Scott. We covered. We're covered. Yeah, don't worry we're about covered. it. We're covered. We got this. Yeah, we're covered. Don't worry about it. I'm just out here panning for gold. We got it. Don't worry. We're covered. <laughs> now they're like, Blake, are you, Mr. Blake, are you all upset because your desk went, went on a, a flight? And he's like, well, it was insured. And I said, what? Who insures, who insures their desk? And, what insurance company is going to take that? <laughs> Hi, I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I, I, I'm a, I'm in the middle of a war. Yeah, I'm in the middle. Can of I war. get this insured? I'm in the middle of a war zone, and I decided that the best use of the the nation's <clears throat> uh, resources uh, during this time would be to ship over a very heavy oak 100 year old desk. Um, I was hoping to take out a policy on that. And he's like, well, I can get I can get the insurance to pay off of my desk if I just come up with a believable explanation, and I. Uh, I get they're playing it off as a joke, but why can't you be like, yeah, somebody cut a hole in my wall, stole <laughs> somebody it. Somebody stole it. And then flew it out on a helicopter. I saw it. I have other witnesses. Why Why is this so unbelievable? Yeah. Because, yeah, because you've got at least, uh, you've, you've got Burns, you've got Blake, and technically you have uh, Hawkeye and Trapper. And they're not going to not step in for for well, sure, Blake. yeah. So they get 200 vials of hydrocortisone. Everybody's pimples get taken care of. Blake uh, is sad because he can't tell the insurance company the truth because he has a totally viable story, but whatever. And uh, Lee shows up and to, to give the hydrocortisone to, to the 4077. And, and Blake looks at him. He's like, don't I know you? Weren't you this, uh, this general that was in here yesterday? And, you know... Charlie Lee, Charlie Lee says a line that I'm sure killed him inside when he had to say it. He looked uh-huh. at him and said, you know how it is. We all look alike. Oh, my. <laughs> so, oh. in this one, we have... Uh, we have breaking and entering, trespassing... Um, I don't know what the crime is for buying something in the black market, but I'm sure it's something. Uh, it's something, yeah. Grand theft, they steal the Jeep that they drive to, and grand larceny. <laughs> grand larceny. Because that desk was at least equivalent to $10,000. Yeah. Whew, man. Tonight on MASH! Followed by cops. Oh, wow. Followed by cops. I swear, it was just the desk. I didn't mean to take it. 
please don't arrest me. The Canadians are coming. I got. <laughs> I do. So I do getting... want to tell people that uh, before taking hydrocodone, make sure you tell your doctor and pharmacist you're allergic to hydrocodone, aspirin, tartrazine, uh, dilatinase, processed drugs, or any other drugs. Tell your doctor and pharmacist what prescriptions and not prescriptions you're taking, especially anticoagulants, blood thinners, sulfurin, coumadin, arthritis medication, aspirin, uh, diuretics, estrogen, and vitamins. If you have a fungal infection, other than that, you should not take hydrocodone. Talk to your doctor. Tell your doctor if you've ever had liver, kidney, intestinal heart disease, diabetes, and underactive thyroid gland, high blood pressure, mental illness, osteoporosis, herpes, eye infection, ill. Seizures, tuberculosis, or ulcers. Tell your doctor if you're pregnant, breastfeeding. If you're pregnant, take hydrocodone. Tell your doctor. If you're having surgery, clean dental surgery. Tell your doctor if you're taking hydrocodone. If you have a history of ulcers, take large doses of aspirin or other arthritis medications. Tell your consumption of alcohol, beverages, taking drugs, hydrocodone, which are subject to intestinal or irritating effects on alcohol, aspirin, and arthritis medications. This effect increases risk of ulcers. You know, the smartest thing we could have done on the podcast tonight was to give those uh, to give that warning. Somebody, somebody would overdose on hydrocortisone and didn't want to blame us. No. Good thinking, Zach. No, um. People have to listen to this podcast before we could be held for liable or for for. Well, that's yeah, that's a good point. How many listeners we got now? Five. Oh, we got more than that. Five and a half. I've been reading this book. Uh, that vacuum cleaner is going to sound great. Uh, called "Bad Days in History: A Gleefully Grim Chronicle of Misfortune, Mayhem, and Misery for Every Day of the Year" by Michael Farquhar. So I thought it would be kind of interesting, instead of telling a joke, to uh, just read the day in history uh, that you had. So, you know, yes, you listen to a crappy podcast episode, but it could have been much, much worse. So Can't wait to hear this. Uh, yeah, so uh, real quick, for Rotten Righteous, I'm Zach Geiler. I'm Booch Judge. And I'm Father McCahey. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Uh, Before we go, yes, you've just listened to a bad podcast episode, but it could be worse. For example, on February 24th, 1868, Andrew Johnson was slurring with disaster. Andrew Johnson downed three shots of whiskey right before he was sworn in as Abraham Lincoln's second term vice president. Thoroughly soused, with his face of vivid red, Johnson teetered to the podium in the Senate chamber to deliver what should have been the triumphant speech that he ever gave, that this one-time Taylor ever gave in his political career. Instead, it was rambling, incoherent tirade about his plebeian roots, delivered in the language of a clown, as the London Times reported, with wild gesticulations and shrieks, by a man whose behavior was that of an illiterate, vulgar, and drunken rowdy. Senator Zachariah Chandler was among those horrified, or among the horrified witnesses of the spectacle. He said, I was never so mortified in my life, he wrote to his wife. He, had I been able to find a hole, I would have dropped through it out of sight. Having delivered his own second inaugural speech widely considered to be one of the most impressive in history, Abraham Lincoln was forced to defend the behavior of his chosen vice president. I have known Andy Johnson for many years, he said. He made a bad slip the other day, but you need not be scared. Andy ain't a drunkard. A month later, (laughs) a month later, the president was dead. 
and the delicate task of reuniting the shredded union fell to his bullheaded, self-important successor. That wicked hangover wow. Andrew Johnson endured after his appalling inauguration performance would come to symbolize the rest of his ill-fated presidency, culminating in his impeachment on February 24th, 1868. Hmm. Wow. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah could be worse folks it could be worse I feel like they missed an opportunity here when they called him Charlie Lee. Why did why didn't they just call him Char Dash Lee? <laughs> maybe 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 he had melted and that would be a little too personal. I think Andrew Jackson's gonna be a great president. Sometime maybe we should watch some westerns where you could do your uh, Native American impression. Just, just this idea of all the the chief is like. I know we voted yeah. for the other party in the last election, and Jackson won, but I think that we're gonna be okay. He seems like a pretty <laughs> chill dude. Uh, I, I, I can do that because I'm one one hundredth Cherokee. Um. Oh, okay, yeah. You almost qualified for the scholarship. Yeah, me and Elizabeth Warren have the same amount of Native American blood in us. Man, this show is just topical this week, isn't it? Um, Very much. Very much.